Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today are my friends, Ian Anderson and Johnny Kemps. Welcome back to the podcast, boys. How are we doing tonight? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, This week, we'll be running through our predictions for the 2020 Oscars. But before we do that, guys, the last time you were both on the podcast was in September, and we had just registered for the Boston Marathon of 2020. Uh, That was a long time ago. We are now 75 days out. So I thought it'd be cool to just do a quick training check-in, see how everything's going. Are we ready to race? Wow, I can't believe it was September that I last talked to you on here. Well, you were on here before, like just just you in like October or November or whatever. But the last time both of you guys were here was for Brittany Runs a Marathon. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. But um, Johnny is not ready for marathon yet, but that's why there's 75 days. Um, I will be ready on race day. Yeah, how about you, Ian? Yeah, I feel pretty much the same way. I, I'm exactly where I need to be right now, though, I think. What does that mean? I, I'm well on my way to being ready on race day. You're on your way to being on your way to being ready to race? Yes. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's where I'm at. We just did a run, so we're really stinky right now, right? And we did, like, what, seven miles or something? And that felt <laughs> I, I awful. Did like eight no, I use, like, natural deodorant, so I'm actually not stinky. I mean, that sounds that's fake. an opinion. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how you feel in an hour, how we feel in an hour. You can you can take a poll of the room, but mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm definitely not as in shape as I wanted to be at this point, but we'll like, I don't know, 75 days is a long time. It is a long right? time, yeah. Yeah. What's the longest you've ran so far, Ian? Um, 13. Okay. What about you, Johnny? 11. Yeah, I think I've done 12. Ooh. So. That's not too bad, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're doing fine. fine. We're doing fine. Okay. So today is February 4th. It is the Wednesday before the 92nd Academy Awards. Oh, it's the 5th. Okay. So today is February <laughs> 5th, the Wednesday before the 92nd Academy Awards. So what we'll be doing for the bulk of the show is talking about our predicted and preferred winners for the acting categories, Best Director and Best Picture. And after that, we'll end with our normal point two section where we talk about what else we've been watching. So let's just set the stage. Uh, The reason I asked you guys to do this episode is because we have what I'll call varying levels of knowledge about the Oscars, specifically this year. Uh, For example, I have seen all of the films nominated for Best Picture. Ian, of the nine, do you know how many you've seen? Um, I think five. Five? Which five? I've seen Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's it. How many was that? I wasn't paying attention. I I, I don't know. (laughs) It was four. Okay. Okay. So, Ian, you've seen four out of the nine. That's almost 50%. Johnny, what about you? How many of these have you seen? One. Nice. Which one? (laughs) Ford versus Ferrari. Great. Yeah, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. We've got the novice, we've got the intermediate, and I guess for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to be considered the expert, but I'm actually oh, an idiot. Monty's considering himself the expert, everybody. All right. <laughs> Caveat here, I'm act- I actually am an idiot, and there are many, many people who know much, much more than I do. If you do want actual experts talking and actually having good discussion about the Oscars, I would recommend that you check out the Mike, Mike, and Oscars podcast. 
Uh, that is where I get most of my information. They really know what they're doing. They do a ton of research. Um, I will include all their contact info in the show notes so you can follow and listen to their podcast. But what Mike won and also Mike don't do is make baseless, uninformed claims. So we are here to fill that niche. Uh, <laughs> I'm relying on you, Johnny, specifically. I'm really interested to see who you think is going to win and why, given that you have virtually no information to go off of. Accept my extensive knowledge of Hollywood divas. Yeah, he's got that going for him. We'll see. We'll see if that works. Okay. Uh, last thing before starting, we are not going to be spoiling these movies. Obviously, I don't think Johnny could spoil these movies, but uh, none of us <laughs> will be doing that. Yeah, I'm throwing shit. But we may be talking about plot points and character moments and things like that. Anything that's real spoilery, we will flag, but you should be fine to listen regardless of whether you've seen the films or not. All right. So let's first start with Best Supporting Actor. The nominations for this are Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So the interesting, um, or I guess the incredibly uninteresting thing, uh, is that this season, all four of the acting categories are actually like almost guaranteed and pretty much completely locked in there is an overwhelming favor and a likely winner for every single one of these categories uh so johnny what are your thoughts for who will win and why this is a hard one this was the hardest one for me the other ones it was very clear but really (laughs) what (laughs) yes okay Okay, sorry I'm, i'm offering my opinion am i not i think that this will go to Mr. Tom Hanks because he can just make you cry in that movie. Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers in here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be? My neighbor. Hello, neighbor. I haven't seen the movie. Do you know what the movie's about? (laughs) Mr. Rogers. Okay, yeah. I don't want to see it because I don't watch movies to cry. I listen to music to do that. So I'm going to take it that he probably did an epic job making people cry. Yeah, so Ian, you actually have seen that movie, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have have not seen this movie. And I actually agree with Johnny on that. For pretty much the same reason, actually. <laughs> you think Tom Hanks is going to win? Except I saw, saw the, uh, I, I think I more want him to win than okay. I do think he's going to win. And I think I'm also going to say that I think he's going to win just because I haven't seen The Irishman and I haven't seen The Two Popes. Um, and I don't really want The Irishman to win for things. Why? I don't know. I have a baseless vendetta against the movie. Against the movie or against Martin Scorsese? Eh. Or both? Just the movie, I think. Okay. I mean, the movie is ridiculously long, but the acting is quite good. So I've seen The Irishman. I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, me too. And I have not seen A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and I have zero interest in seeing The Two Popes, but Mm -hmm. maybe I'll see that before. Yeah, so in all the precursors, so I don't know if you guys know there's like a whole awards season, and there's a whole bunch of Mm -hmm. awards that statistically make it very probable that if you win all those awards, then you win 
the Oscars. The Golden Globes. Right. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then there's also like the SAG Awards and other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. The the BAFTAs, BAFTAs, things like that. And so every single one of those awards for Best Supporting Actor has gone to Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. So I'm almost 100% positive that Brad Pitt will win this. I'm fine with that. He was good in that movie. I just like Tom Hanks more. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be like, if one of them was going to be upset, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that movie is like losing steam like crazy. Mm -hmm. So maybe Tom Hanks gets an upset, um, but I don't really know anything about that performance. So I'm going to have to take your guys' word for it that it's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So you guys both said that you want Tom Hanks to win. It's not just Mm -hmm. who you think is going to win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I would say that my pick definitely is Brad Pitt. Um, And like, that's who I would want to win as well. I think he's great. But again, I haven't seen Tom Hanks' performance and I don't really care about the Irishman performances. Have you seen him in Toy Story? It's a lot like Toy Story. Oh, is it? Yeah, but it's, um, it's with Mr. Rogers instead. Okay. <laughs> so you're wow. going to cry. <laughs> quality, quality content over here from Ian. Okay. Uh, is there anyone that you like would have liked to see replace one of these five people? Like, can you think of a best supporting performance from an actor that you would like to see nominated instead of this? Christian Bale. From what movie? Ford versus Ferrari. So you count him as a supporting actor? Uh, I, think I, he, I think he ran uh, as best actor. I think they both did. You can have two leads. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. so never mind. Okay. The Last Jedi would have been last year, right? Yeah. Okay. No, The Last Jedi would have been like 2 years ago. What are you talking about? Oh wow, about? yeah. I'm so off on that. Well, I want Adam Driver to win for something. <laughs> <laughs> um was Black Klansman last year? Yeah, it yeah. was. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, Adam I, Driver got nominated for that last year. Yeah, yeah, he did. I don't think I I don't think I have anything. So I, I No. Okay. Well, I definitely would have loved to see either Shia LaBeouf or Jamie Foxx. Shia LaBeouf was from- Oh, Honey Boy. Honey Boy. I thought he was amazing in that. Is he not the lead in that? No. He, I mean, no. He's like the, he plays his dad. Oh. And so like the kid that plays him is kind of the the lead. That's wild. Yeah. He plays his dad. It's fantastic. It's an amazing movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Jamie Foxx from Just Mercy. I've been like- Oh. raving about that movie and that guy for the last couple of weeks since I've seen it. And mm-hmm. I would have loved to see him in here, uh, especially because this is a very, very white category in a very, very white Oscars year. So um, I thought Jamie Foxx was significantly better than whatever four of five people is 80%, 80% of the categories here. So, mm-hmm. all right. So let's move on to best supporting actress. The nominees for this are Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Woman, and Margot Robbie, Robbie, what is it? Is it Robbie or Roby? Robbie, I think, right? Okay, Margot Robbie for Bombshells. All right, Johnny, what's your pick? <sighs> I hate to just like come in as the idiot in every one of these, but like <laughs> I think I can back it up at least a little bit. Um, Florence Pugh, Little Women, because I loved her in Outlaw King. And if she can deliver half that performance, she deserves it. Okay, so we watched Outlaw King together, right? Like mm-hmm. like a month ago or so. That would, yeah, Florence Pugh was great in that. I love Florence Pugh. Ian, is that your pick? No. Again, just based on the movies I've seen, 
which are in this quick category. I've seen Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. I'm going to go with uh, Scarlet, I think. Okay. Um, I, I, which movie? In Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I in the other the other movie that I've seen is Marriage Story, and I think Laura Dern was fine in it. You know, he can be an asshole, and I can get really pissed off, and I'll call him on being an asshole. I, I'm going to stop you there. When you do this for real, don't ever say that. People don't accept mothers who drink too much wine and yell at their child and call him an asshole. I get it. I do it too. We can accept an imperfect dad. Let's face it, the idea of a good father was only invented like 30 years ago. Before that, fathers were expected to be silent and absent and unreliable and selfish. And we can all say we want them to be different. But on some basic level, we accept them. We love them for their fallibilities, but people absolutely don't accept those same failings in mothers. We don't accept it structurally, and we don't accept it spiritually, because the basis of our Judeo-Christian whatever is Mary, mother of Jesus, and she's perfect. She's a virgin who gives birth, unwaveringly supports her child and holds his dead body when he's gone. And the dad isn't there. He didn't even do the fucking. God is in heaven. God is the father and God didn't show up. So you have to be perfect and Charlie can be a fuck up and it doesn't matter. You will always be held to a different, higher standard. And it's fucked up, but that is the way it is. I, I think you said in a tweet what summed up my thoughts on it. Um, like she just did more of what she's been doing, which has been good. Yeah. But, well, I, but not outstanding, I don't think. Yeah, I thought she was just doing exactly what she did in Big Little Lies. Yeah. And it felt really out of place for the movie. Yeah. But Laura Dern is the heavy favorite. Mm-hmm. And she's won oh, really? all of the previous awards and everything like that. Wow. Uh, I think like the general idea is that this is kind of a softer category. And Laura Dern has like done so many Oscar-worthy performances in her years that this is kind of like the compensation award. You know, like, oh, let's just give it to her. Because she's Laura Dern kind of thing. So that's the only way I can justify it. I really don't think that performance is that great. Mm-hmm. She's in Little Women. And I think she's better in Little Women than she is in Marriage Story. Oh. But uh, my, yeah, so my pick would be Laura Dern. But my vote would actually be Florence Pugh as well. Ooh. So I agree with Johnny. You Yay! haven't seen You haven't seen Little Women, have you? No, I meant to. I know it's not worth shit. But I, yeah, I'm sad I haven't. Yeah, I think it's great. Florence Pugh is amazing in it. But uh, do you do you know the story about Little Women? Like, did you read the book or anything ever? I didn't read the book, but... <laughs> I don't. What is it? So it's about women. Oh. Are they small? No, they're not. They're regular sized. But oh. um, it's about, like, these four sisters and it kind of... The book is told chronologically, so it starts when they're kids and then it goes until they're adults. Um, and... Florence Pugh plays one of the sisters, not the the main character. Obviously, that's why she's in supporting actress. And in movies, traditionally, when they do like uh, adapt adaptations of this, they have like one actress play the younger version of the character, and then another actress play the older version of the character. Because Florence Pugh's character is like twelve at the beginning, and then she turns. It's like nine years goes over nine years, so it's twelve and twenty one. But in this movie, she plays both of them. So you're supposed to, like, believe that Florence Pugh is a 12-year-old girl. And I never once believed that. She looks way too old. 
and has like a very mature voice for like to play a 12 year old. But other than that, I think her performance is amazing. Did the other characters have a younger and older different actress or they all did that? Yeah, they all did that. And I think they almost always all, all the other characters are only played by one character. But like the whole purpose of Beth. No, no, not Beth. Shit. What is who is she in it? Amy. Yeah, Amy. Uh, the whole per- point of Amy is that like she's really, really immature and she's the youngest sister. So I think she's that's why she's played as like a child. But yeah. Interesting take. Mm. Is it a take or just telling? Like a take on like for the not your take. Oh, like oh, like Greta Gerwig's the, take. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. you could have done it any way you want, and that's how she did it, and that's great. Yeah. 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 For sure. All right. Let's move on to the best actor category. So these ones are, this is where it gets a little interesting, I think, because I've seen almost all of these movies. So the nominees are Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popies. All right, Johnny, what is your pick for this one? My pick is going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Arthur, that's not the kind of humor we do on this show. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, it's been a rough few weeks, Murray. <laughs> Ever since I killed those three Wall Street guys. Okay, I'm waiting for the punchline. There is no punchline. It's not a joke. You're serious, aren't you? You're telling us you killed those three young men on the subway? Mm Mm-hmm. And why should we believe you? You got nothing left to lose. Nothing can hurt me anymore. (laughs) My life is nothing but a comedy because oh gosh just i think they took did you see this movie johnny no okay <laughs> no <That's> okay. <laughs> no i just wanted to know but it. here's what i know about it i know that they took a i know it's a, so a superhero movie it's not a hero a super villain movie and they made it so much more than that and i loved that it's this gorgeous juxtaposition of this iconic character that anyone of any age can recognize and they just I know they I still haven't seen that but they wove in (laughs) a story a beautiful story from what I understand and if somebody can play the Joker like that well I think they would deserve it I still love Heath Ledger's performance of course but this is a unique take on it and I appreciate that awesome Ian, I know you have feelings <laughs> yeah, I think about I the Joker. I disagree with about everything that Johnny just said. Wow. But I still think <laughs> that uh, I, I, I still want Joaquin Phoenix to win, and I still think he's going to win. Okay, so you still want him to win, even yeah. though you disagree with everything that yeah, he said? Yeah, I, I really didn't like the story of the movie at all. I didn't think it was a good take on the character or anything, but I thought Joaquin Phoenix was amazing in it. Like, I, I, I thought he just gave a fantastic performance. And, like, coming out of that movie, like, I thought he was by far the best part of the movie um mm-hmm. and behind that the score obviously but 
yeah, I, I very much disagree <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with Johnny's take on it, though. Well, I mean, yeah, this film is very polarizing, so I think that's fair, and we don't really have to get into it because this yeah, isn't I, a Joker podcast. Yeah, but I, I, I do think that he did a great job. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, my pick is Joaquin Phoenix. He has won fucking everything. Yeah. Same as that, all that these too. other people. Um, and he's also been giving really good speeches and he seems like mm-hmm. a really good guy, even mm-hmm. though he's awkward as hell. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be upset if Joaquin Phoenix got it. It's another case of like this dude has done a ton of cool things. So if eventually he's got to get an Oscar. My vote, though, would definitely be Adam Driver. I thought he was great in Marriage Story. I love that guy. He will inevitably get an Oscar, so it's not like if he doesn't get it here, he won't. Yeah. But um, I thought what he did with Marriage Story and the emotion that he brought out of that, especially for a guy that is kind of known for being a little bit emotionless and stoic, I was really impressed by what he was able to do in that movie. He was nominated uh, for Black Klansman, right? Or was he not? Yeah. Okay. He was the only person to be nominated for that, yeah, I, which I was like so. kind of a bad look, yeah. I thought, but I do I, think he was really good in it. Yeah, but. he was great, but so was John David Washington, oh, yeah, he was for sure, because <laughs> um, he was like the one white guy, yeah, or like basically. one of the few white guys in here. Yeah, the movie's called Black Klansman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, come on, um, Ian, you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, what do you think about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance? I thought, I mean, uh, I have seen Leo do better things, I thought, I like just, what? I was just not very, um, impressed by any of it i guess wolf of wall street i guess yeah you like when he's like flopping around on the ground i'm not saying i enjoyed that but (laughs) i thought he did a good job okay but i i just didn't i thought this movie was like remarkably unspectacular wow i mean apparently a lot of other people feel like that as well because it's lost a lot of momentum i thought he was actually really good there's a couple i really liked that you could tell that he had a lot of things just right under the surface that he like put into his character. So he had a lot of ticks and character things, like yeah. the way that he kind of uh, had a stutter mm-hmm. that he never really addressed. Mm-hmm. But you could tell it was due to alcoholism or something. Mm-hmm. Um, just like little things like that, I thought made his performance really well. Like when he broke down in the trailer, yeah. and uh, when I like was, when he was talking with that little girl. Yeah, yeah, that that whole good. scene I thought was fantastic. Yeah. But. Um, so like, I wouldn't be upset if Leonardo DiCaprio got this one. The only one I'd really be upset about is Jonathan Price. And I think that's unfair because like, I haven't seen the two popes. So what do I know? Yeah. It just seems like such a boring like pick. Uh, I did watch pain and glory this weekend or I guess on Monday. Have you guys heard of this movie? Yeah, I had heard of it, but what was the, what was the title that you renamed it? Oh, with pain and more pain with a little bit of glory (laughs) because it's just a lot of bad shit happens to this guy and i mean antonio banderas was good he was really just like subdued and quiet in it so he doesn't have that like capital a acting stuff Mm. where like you know like adam driver like explodes off the screen in marriage story he doesn't do that but i thought it was good um it's a spanish film so it's with subtitles and everything but i thought it was good i don't know I, i get why he's here is there anybody that you would put in this category is this where you would put Christian Bale, Johnny? Yes, it is. Yeah. What now did you like I... so much about Christian Bale's performance? I know we talked about it when you were on the pod for that episode, but so I, I've only watched the movie once. Yeah. Um, what stuck with me like this far along after seeing it would be kind of what you were talking about with Leonardo DiCaprio, like the the attention to detail. I thought was amazing, amazing. 
for lack of a better word. And I just thought it was just exactly what a raw performance does without feeling over the, like what a raw performance should be without feeling over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, like, I hate when, like, I see some of these actors, like just, it's just like the same shit. Like we've seen you for years and Christian Bale, he delivered like something new and I really appreciated it. Ian, did you see Ford vs. Ferrari? No, I didn't. What's wrong with you? I I don't know. I, I, Are you American? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to see you it. You probably it rooted for Ferrari. Was that is that not what you're supposed to do? Oh, I was rooting for a Ferrari. Just <laughs> yeah, no, not I for their well, drivers. Well, we talked about this. I mean, Ford vs. Ferrari is a horrible name for that film, anyways. Because yes, like, yes. But anyways, <laughs> we agree on that. Really? My whole point is that Ian is very, very against great movies. That's true. Yeah, that that leads me to my my next hot take of who I do think should have been nominated. Um, oh God, it's a really stupid take, and I don't even know if. It, how do you decide? Wait, is this a real stupid take? Yeah, or like I think it is. Oh God. Okay, go for it. Um, I'm not sure if he would be considered a lead role, though. I was gonna say Chris Evans in Endgame. I thought he was just so good as Captain America in that movie, which I guess is more speaking to him acting as a character or like to fill the role of a character like Captain America than him as an actor as a whole. But like, I thought like the, the final act of him when he's fighting Thanos and he's just alone at the end, I thought he was amazing in that. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would replace any of these people with that. I don't know if it's like a, academy no if i thing yeah yeah no that's totally fair though yeah i mean he is great what do you i mean we we hopped over this but what do you think about like tony stark or what's his actual name there we go yeah what do you think (laughs) about him as like supporting actor i could see that i thought that that was a very good performance if i was ever going to nominate him for something in the mcu it would be in the original Iron Man. Yeah, but we can't go back and do that. Yeah, so. <laughs> I know, but I, I just don't think that... I, I think that I thought Chris Evans' performance was much better than his in Endgame. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mo- um, mostly because you saw like the way that like Cap dealt with everybody dying and stuff. Yeah, that's more. true. I guess there is a lot more of him in the film, but I do think that a lot of the more emotional aspects of that film kind of fall squarely on Robert Downey Jr. And if you had a worse actor in that, I don't think the like the end of that movie would be as effective. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that I would add as best actor. Oh, uh, Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, I yeah. He I want to see fantastic that so in that. And I'm sort of just like parroting stuff that I've heard from other people. So I don't want to like pretend that this is a novel take, but it's really nice to see him be excited about a role and be fully invested in a role. And I would have loved to have seen him been nominated for that. Did either of you guys see Uncut Gems? No, I didn't. Okay. Hot take. I don't think Adam Sandler was snubbed for an Oscar. I don't think he did a very good job in that. Or no, he did a good job, but he was just Adam Sandler doing Adam Sandler in a more dramatic film. I see. Like, so he was still just loud and yelling and stuff. And he was very good in the film. It just like didn't stretch him as an actor. So mm-hmm. I was like, I wasn't super blown away by it. But anyways, let's move on to best actress. The nominations for this 
are Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, shit, Shershi, Shershi, Shershi Ronan. For, Is that really how you pronounce it? I, I thought it was Sears. No, I, I watched, I watched like an SNL thing about it and she's saying about how her name's pronounced. It's something like Shershi. Wow. Or like I, or like Shershi. I, I don't know. Damn. It sounds like I'm having a stroke, but like I'm sure it's kind of close. Uh, Anyways, Miss Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. All right, Johnny. Fascinating names in this category, though. Yeah. Like, first of all, like, those are some names. Charlize Theron. Dior. Chardon. That's her fragrance, you know. Um, I didn't, but okay. Thank you. This one came so clear to me with all of my knowledge, extensive knowledge, if you will, of movies. I mean, it was so. I, I like that you're leading into this. <laughs> it was so obvious. Duh. It was so obvious, duh, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Duh. Mm-hmm. Like, can I get a duh? Duh. Yeah, Cynthia Erivo. I knew you were gonna pick this because you love Cynthia Erivo. I love Cynthia Erivo. Oh my. god. Gosh. Well, I love her because she's like a Tony winner because mm-hmm. she can sing like nobody's business. You know, she can sing like she has like the greatest range of any American singer like currently alive. Is that like scientific? Like, yeah, like, like in terms of like octaves yeah. she can sing. She has like the greatest range from like her lowest note to her highest note. Cool. That's so sick. It is. And she's an incredible actress. Does she do that in Harriet Mati? <laughs> I haven't seen Harriet. Oh. I don't know. I, nobody's. Oh, actually, no. A lot of people saw this movie. Uh, apparently, it was like a really good box office hit for like an indie small movie thing. I I didn't see it. Um, Ian, do you agree with Johnny? I'm not sure if I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I I think. Oh man! <laughs> Did you see Widows? She's in Widows. Um, no. Did you see, what's that movie we saw, Johnny? It was so, I love this movie. It was Bad Times at the El Royale. I loved that movie. And she sings in that that, one. But I I know who she is now. Oh, she's also in uh, The Outsider. She's in episode three. She's the, uh, like, savant-ish detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, if I go based on her performance in The Outsider, I don't (laughs) think she's going to (laughs) win. Um... But I also haven't seen any of these movies besides Marriage Story, but I also don't want to say that Scarlett Johansson's going to win. I think that I'm going to choose Charlize Theron because I studied journalism in college and this movie is about journalism. It's not about the best journalism, <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, all right. <laughs> um, so you're saying that that's your prediction and who you want to win? I'm going to say my prediction is Ms. Ronan. I just, I just feel, I just feel like women, they, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that, that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. But I'm, I'm so lonely. Okay. And I want, uh, I want Charlize Theron to win. Okay. Yeah. 
Fair. Uh, so we have three of the five picks in like amongst you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just Y'all. in case people don't know, some one of the things that I like to do with our friend group is I like to, um, for Oscars night, do ballots where we rank our choices. So we put like, we think this person is most likely to win. This person is least likely to win, uh, like one through five. And then you add up all the points at the end of the night based on who you picked um, and like what score they were at. And the lowest score wins, right? You guys have both done this. Mm-hmm. Multiple yeah. years in a row. Yeah. So, um, Johnny, I would put Cynthia Erivo as five. And I would put Charlize Theron as four. And I would put uh, Miss Ronan as... Well, I would put her as two. Um, nice. The the really heavy favorite is Renee Zellweger for Judy. Do you guys know what this movie is about? Judge Judy? Close. The Life and Times of Judge Judy. No, it's not close at all. What What do you think it is? <laughs> I have no Judy Garland. Yeah. Oh, nice, dude. I, she's kind of iconic. Yeah, I, yeah. I told so, you my so knowledge of Hollywood divas is extensive. Dude. Not that she's a diva; she's just a queen. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess Renee Zellweger. I have not seen this movie. Renee Zellweger plays Judy, and I—I I don't know. I have nothing to say about this category. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I thought Scarlett Johansson was great in Marriage Story. Uh, I thought Shirley Ronan was great in Little Women. And I haven't seen Harriet. I haven't seen Bombshell, but I also like Charlie Theron. So I don't know. Is there somebody that you would put in this category instead of any of these people, Johnny? I'm assuming you're just gonna go double in on Cynthia Revo. Oh, you spoiled it. I was going to suggest <laughs> that Cynthia Revo be nominated for this category. Okay. <laughs> Ian, what about you? I'm always bad at saying her name, but sure, she Ronan. <laughs> Anadarmus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Knives Out? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you bad at saying that name? I don't, I, did I say it right? Yeah. How oh, else sweet. would you say it? I, sometimes I'm, I don't know. I just mispronounce it, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what do you like about Anna de Armas's performance? I, I just thought she was really, I mean, I thought everybody in that movie was really great. And if I went back and talked about who I thought should have been nominated for supporting actors, I would have said Chris Evans and, or either Chris Evans or I would have said um, Daniel Craig. In uh, Knives Out, I thought everybody in that movie was spectacular, and they all like made they all made every character so distinct and so they just owned them, you know. Nice, yeah, I'd co-sign that. I agree. I think everybody in that movie is great. Um, I can't think of anybody else I would put in this category. Maybe if I went back and looked at all the movies that came out, I'd come up with something. But oh, I I just came up with one: Florence Pugh, Midsummer, or oh, of course, Lupita Nyong'o for us. Oh, yeah, that was this year. That seems so long ago. Yeah, it, I mean, it was in, like, March, so it might as well have been a year ago. That's why it wasn't nominated, because it was so long ago. Well, yeah, and... Isn't that, like, a scam? That, like, the Oscars, like, everything that comes out in the past, like, two months is gonna, is what actually is going to get nominated? I don't the know Oscars if it's a scam, scam so much as it's, like, the company's fault or the studio's fault for releasing it early instead of in November or whatever. But also, the Oscars just hate horror films. Like, they've got a stigma against genre films like horror and superheroes and stuff like that. So that's why, like, The Dark Knight didn't win or get nominated for Best Picture or whatever, even though it should have been. Uh, it might be why one of the p- things that I think should have been nominated for Best Picture was not nominated, but we'll get to that. I wonder what he's going to say. So, yeah, Lupita Nyong'o for sure deserves this nomination, and I would also say that Anna de Armas is a good choice, too. All right. 
That is our last actor category. So let's move on to best director. The best director nominations are Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. The Irishman. The Irishman? Irishman. The Irishman? It's one word, yeah. Irishman. I Irish like man. The Irish man. Like no. the Iron Man. No, there, there would be a space or a hyphen then. Irishman. The Irishman. Todd Phillips for The Joker. No, it just says Joker. It's just called Joker. Joker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sam Mendes for 1917. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. All right, guys. How many of these movies have you seen? Of the five? Two. Zero. Nice. All right. So with that, wow, Johnny. I am. God, I'm so lucky to be here, let me just say, <laughs> despite my lack of watching. Yeah, I, I really had a lot of options here, so I'm uh... <laughs> What well, are you saying? I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, so who do you think is going to win Best Director? Um, Quentin Tarantino. Wrong. Okay. Ian. Sam Mendes. Yeah. No, I don't know. It, it could be Quentin Tarantino. I think Tarantino. it's either going to be Sam Mendes or Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. So have you seen either of those movies? No. So you just know that it's like... I've just this... been following some Oscar stuff. Uh, Yeah. So I think my pick and my vote is 1917. I love that movie. I think it's amazing. I think yeah. you guys should both go see it. It looks great. Uh, is it about World War One, Or did I get that time period wrong? No, it's World War One. I. I was going to say something sassy, but yeah, it's World War One. Yeah, it's really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. You're going to say something sassy, hmm? No, it's but World War II in 1917, <laughs> yeah. Johnny. <laughs> yeah, there. That's what I was going to say. But then I was like, that seems a little too aggressive, given that we're already being mean to you for not, not watching anything. So Watch me get all my picks right, though. So I will bet you $50 that your picks are wrong. I'll bet you $50 you don't remember these picks to put them on <laughs> your sheet. <laughs> I'm not taking Ian's bet because I lose that one for sure. Well, no. I mean, I'll just... They're recorded. <laughs> yeah, what? That was the easier one. <laughs> you should take that. Okay. Um. Anyways, yeah. So my pick, my vote is for 1917. Ian, did you have a a pick that you would like, like your personal favorite or whatever? In, in this um, yeah. list, probably Bong Joon-ho just because I've seen interviews with him and he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, you haven't seen Parasite, right? No. All right. Um. right. I'll hook you up. I can watch it. Yeah, Fine. watch it. Okay. You should watch it. It's really good. I would definitely recommend watching it before the Oscars. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, Best Director has been going back and forth. I don't know if Bong Joon-ho has won anything, but uh, Sam Mendes has won quite a bit of them. So I think mm-hmm. he is the favorite. Yeah, uh, so. And then we can kind of segue into Best Picture here, where a lot of the time, I think more often than not, the, the film that wins Best Picture is the same film that wins Best Director. Um, but there is precedent for it being different. And especially recently, I think that's more of a trend to give one person one thing and then another person another thing to kind of like spread the wealth a little bit. So best picture. Our nominations are Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, or The Irishman, sorry, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. All right, Johnny. Given my limited knowledge, I'd like to extend my vote and my pick to 1917. Did you just like change your mind based on our conversation? <laughs> yeah, I was going to guess a uh, marriage story before that. Oh, okay. Huh, that's fair. 1917 is my pick and my vote as well. 
my pick for what I think will win is 1917, but what I want to win is JoJo. Really? Yeah, I love that movie. It was it's, so fun. It's a great movie. I've heard rumblings, like Twitter rumblings, that people think that JoJo Rabbit is going to win because they think it's going to get costume design yeah. and screenplay, mm-hmm. I think adapted screenplay. And then they're saying that like it might win editing, and editing is like, I can't remember quite what the stat is, but editing is a really good indication of a Best Picture win. Hmm. And 1917 is not nominated for Best Picture or is not nominated for Best Editing. editing. And I don't know if Parasite is either. Hmm. Uh, I think it is. I should know this, but whatever. Uh, Yeah. So in which of these films have you seen again? Can you remind me? Uh, Jojo, Joker, Marriage Story, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. And uh, just curious, like, how would you rank those? Jojo is definitely my favorite. By a lot. Then probably Marriage Story, then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then Joker. Okay. And would you say that Joker you don't like? Or like do you like all those films? Like what's the kind of range of all those films? I definitely like JoJo and Marriage Story. I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was fine. And I wasn't as big of a fan of Joker, but I... But the things that I did like in Joker, I loved, which were Joaquin Phoenix and the score and some of the cinematography. Okay, cool. I didn't write down my order. I probably should have. But I think, like, if I'm just going from here, I would say my favorite film of the my favorite film of these is 1917, and then I'd put Ford vs Ferrari, and then Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Mar- no Parasite, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman. And uh, then Joker last as well. But I do actually, no, no, I would switch Joker and the Irishman. Not because like I hate the Irishman or anything or that I love Joker. I just like, I don't know. The Irishman was just way too long. And if I was being honest, I would 100% rewatch Joker before I would rewatch Iron Iron Man or whatever. Yeah. The Irishman. Johnny, of these films that you haven't seen, what's the film that you want to see the most? Um, I think Little Women yeah. Is the one that excites me the most just because of the cast, I think, impressed me. And then that and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. Um, because I like Quentin Tarantino a lot. Okay, cool. Um, so that would be the order I'd see them in. So I know you haven't seen too many movies this year, but if you had to add one, um, because Best Picture can be up to 10, uh, there is only nine here. You can have 10 nominations total. What would you add? The best movie I saw in the past 12 months was Ford versus Ferrari, in my opinion. I know. So I wouldn't add one. There's not a single movie that you would add that you liked? What did I see on Christmas Day? Star Wars? Oh my God, I saw Star Wars. That's right. No, I wouldn't put that one in. No. I I saw... (laughs) Oh my God. Don't ask me the question if you don't want my answer. No. Well, Well, I I want your answer. I just didn't want it to be Star Wars. It wasn't going to be Star Wars. I I was just trying to remember. I I just had a really good time at that movie because I had multiple glasses of wine during the movie. That'll do it. Yep. Yeah. We'll do it. It's the type of movie that you need to... Fabulous (laughs) movie. Yeah. For those plot holes, I like needed to... Yeah, you needed to fill it up with wine. Yeah, fill (laughs) fill the bottles of wine. Yeah. Um... No, I, I didn't. I've been really bad moviegoer. No, that's this fine. This year, I really have. All right, so Johnny's vote is uh, I abstain. <laughs> <laughs> that does not describe me. Wow. Whoa. Um. Okay. Yeah. I, 
Endgame, 100%. Yeah? Yeah. You would add Endgame? Yeah. Uh, I would also add Endgame. Um, but before adding that, I would add Honey Boy. So I would replace Joker with Avengers Endgame. It blows my mind that Avengers Endgame is not nominated here. Yeah, I, I know. don't know why. Because I know why. Why? Because it's a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Avatar got nominated. Yeah, that's and Avatar kind of sucks. Yeah, yes. I mean, it did. Okay, no. Actually, I like Avatar. That's not a superhero movie. Yeah, I know, but it's like... It's in the same vein, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Like blockbustery. Yeah. And it was the largest movie ever. This was the largest movie ever. I heard a theory from some podcast that I was just listening to that suggests that Disney didn't push Avengers Endgame because they didn't want it to, like... They didn't want it to fail, so they could always just be like, oh, well, we didn't push it, or something like that. Uh, That's stupid. It's stupid, but it does sound like something Disney would do. Yeah. So, I I don't know. It's really weird, because this film was critically acclaimed at the time, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of weird to like be championing such a large movie, but it's really weird that this wasn't nominated. And I don't even think it's going to get visual effects. Yeah, that's crazy. So, that sucks. But, uh, yeah, I would also add Honey Boy. I think that film's amazing. It's my number one film of 2019. Go see that movie nice. if you haven't seen it. I think it's going to be on Prime, like, real soon. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's a Prime, uh, like, original mm-hmm. or whatever. All right, uh, last question for you, Ian. Of these films, which of these winning would you be, like, happy about and which would you hate? Ooh, I would... I'd be happy about... Jojo, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, or Parasite winning. I'd probably be, I, I guess I haven't I haven't seen Irishman, but I think I would be upset if Irishman won. Because I don't <laughs> think it, I understand that it, like, why it's good after, like, reading stuff about it, but I feel like it didn't do anything, like, crazy different. It was just really well done. Cool. Is there anything that would make you angry, Johnny, about winning these from what you know? No. Do you care at all? I'm actually curious. Like, do you do you care <laughs> well, about what wins an Oscar? Like, not in a negative way. I'm just curious, like, as I somebody do. who doesn't really actually, watch movies. I do, though. Yeah? Even though I don't watch movies, I do care. Yeah, do you... I think it just says a lot about, like, it is a prestigious award that I've, I've, I've always, like, watched the award show, despite not always watching the movies that led up to it. And I think it says a lot about, like... American culture, like the movies and entertainment, like movies portray art imitates life. And so like, what is like, what do we value right now as a society? I can't, I don't put all that weight into what wins best picture, Yeah, but yeah. like, <laughs> it's certainly a piece of it. So I do care. Um, and I think it, it does say something. Yeah. That's well put. Does a movie winning an Oscar impact your desire to see it in any way? Like, have you ever seen a movie because it's won an Oscar or have you ever seen something because it was nominated or anything like that? That's interesting. I feel like it would impact me, but I never acted on it. Okay. Interesting. Ian, how about you? I don't think so, actually. I I feel like all of the... I I feel like I I am always like, oh, that got nominated for an Oscar or that that won an Oscar. I should go see that. And then I never see it. Um, And the (laughs) ones that I... The ones that I will see, I will see before the Oscars, I feel like. Well, I guess, what about, like, ones that won an Oscar, like, 10 years ago? So does something, when you're looking through a back catalog of movies, let's say, and you want to watch something that you have access to for whatever reason, and it says, oh, it was nominated for an Oscar, or, you know, this is the Best Picture winner of 2012. Not really, actually. Does that actually, matter to you? 
I mean, no, I don't. I don't think so. Especially after seeing Green Book, okay. I, <laughs> like I, I guess I just don't put that much value into it because I know what I'm gonna like. Yeah, and yeah. I'm that's not gonna see movies that I don't want to like. That's why. That's why I didn't see Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think that if Irishman won Best Picture, you would see it? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that would change my thoughts on it. I'm always curious to like think I think one of the things of when you get more involved with film Twitter and like Twitter in general, I mm-hmm. guess, is that there's this, you know, feedback loop of just echoing the same opinions. And mm-hmm. I'm so curious to know how much value people outside of that place on these things and how much people actually care. Were you upset that Green Book won Best Picture? I don't know if I was upset. I definitely think that I would have put things ahead of it. But, yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> let's end on a very powerful, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. Ian, I'll throw it to you first. What else have you been watching lately? Yeah, so I've been watching a lot of TV shows lately. Have I talked about, no, I've already talked about that on here. <laughs> um, you, I think? No, you <gasps> ben haven't. Ben Badgley! Yeah, I think oh. that he deserves some sort of award. Oh my god! I, I think <sighs> he was fantastic in you. I I binge watched you season one and two recently, and it was just a roller coaster. And I thought, what's his name again? Penn Badgley. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like he he's the, so good. The way he's able to, I mean, I guess it's also editing, but they're able to like have him narrating what he's thinking in his head. And have him acting around like whatever girl he's with. It's like he has like these like two sides of himself and he's just so I mean, he obviously has two sides of himself, but he's like so good at portraying both of them and switching them on and off. So can you tell me what this show is about? This is just a show that I've. Yeah, I I thought I I was going to hate this. Yeah. And then I I just sat down and watched one episode and I was like, wow, that that was really cool, actually. It's just about this guy, uh, Joe who becomes a stalker pretty much of every woman that he ever dates. He becomes so obsessed with them, um, hacks into their emails, their social media, follows them everywhere, hurts people they're close to who he thinks are bad for their life, um, just becomes like all-encompassing around their lives without them even knowing it. Okay, They have no idea what is happening to their lives. They think their life is getting better, Mm -hmm. but it's like all him. And it in his head, like they should be so grateful for it, but mm-hmm. like they have no idea what's going on. Okay, it's just like this long winding path like that. So, like to what end? Well, you. I mean, okay, yeah. I don't want you to spoil it, but I just like, is there a, a point yeah. to the show? Is yeah. it? There is. They're saying something about that. Are they? Do they glorify that? No. They don't glorify it. It becomes pretty obvious that, like, he's, like, a bad dude. Okay. When, you know, people do, throughout the two seasons, people do find out about him and what he's been doing, and they they all make it pretty clear, like, this guy's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen Dexter? Yeah. Is it like Dexter? Yeah. I've heard people say it's a poor man's Dexter, and I've heard people say that it's a better Dexter. So, I... Sure. Okay. (laughs) Um, Interesting. Okay, Johnny, you've seen this show? No, I just like Penn Badgley. Wait, you haven't seen? <laughs> <laughs> what, um, do you, what do you do? <laughs> I don't know what I would do if I like didn't watch TV. Well, so 
if you're asking. No, it's not a condescending thing. It's more of no, like a like yeah. a. Well, mesmerized... I have been I've been watching Penn Badgley and other things recently. Oh yeah, okay. So what have you been watching recently? Great segue, love it. Good synergy. Gossip here. Girl, Mr. Dan Humphrey. Mm. Oh, okay. So is so, this? Well, that's just like on in the background with my roommates every once in a while. But I did recently this past weekend watch Easy A for the first time. Actually, oh, really? Yeah. You have the first time. I know it's ridiculous. I like. I'm actually like pissed. I did. I just now saw it, and I was cackling the whole time. Great cast. I was like, holy shit, that's Amanda Bynes. <laughs> oh on, yeah. <laughs> on top. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh yeah, and um, of course. Emma Stone was amazing, so good, but also my favorite, like one half of my favorite band was also a character in it, which is amazing. Ali Machalka oh, is in oh, it. Oh, right. Yeah. One half of Ali and AJ. I adore them. And which half? Penn Badgley's in it. She's Ali. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Penn Badgley's in it. He does a great job, I think. I'm so funny. Wait, he's in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> He's. They I call don't him, remember anything about that in the, movie. To be in honest. the credits, they literally call him like, oh, fuck. What's his first name? Like Woodchuck something because he's the Woodchuck mascot, and so they like have that as part of his name in the like credits. <laughs> okay, like wow. as he, who he plays. Um, also, Lisa Kudrow's in it. Oh yeah, Phoebe from Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah love yeah. her. Um, Isn't Stanley Tucci in it too? Isn't he married to Lisa Kudrow? Oh, I the guy from yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah. I think so. Cool. Uh, that was awesome. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, so where did you watch that? At my house. No, I mean like on what <laughs> platform? What platform? <laughs> oh, I rented it on Amazon. It was three ninety nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. HD. And we should say uh, You is on Netflix. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. Seasons and I, one and two. Also, I need to finish. I think I may have like, started this around the time that I was on here for Ford versus Ferrari, but um, I'm on the last episode of the first season of The Politician. I'm running for student body president. That is why I'm proud to introduce my running mate today, Infinity Jackson. Sherry has an 80% approval rating. And a fan account on Instagram. So evidently there's a videotape with some footage of you using an offensive gay slur. Do you have any idea what I might be referring to? Do you have any idea what time it is? Shut up, ma'am. I'm not going to take your bullshit tonight, okay? What did you say on the tape? She said butt munch. She called an obviously gay reporter butt munch. Damn it! This is all over now! I want that trophy. See, gentlemen, I'm going to be president of the United States. I'm merely stating a fact. I will be president someday. I'm warning you. Do not screw with my dream. Your ambition frightens me. I want that trophy. This school deserves better than you. If you want to beat them, you need to embrace your inner coldness unapologetically. I want that trophy. Go to hell, Peyton. We hate Peyton way more than you do. Think I should kill him? Why? Yes, yes, I do. Okay. Um, With Ben Platt. And I just, I lo- I've loved it. And I haven't watched the finale just because I want to sit down and be fully present for it. Like that's I, I watch things over an extended period of time. I'm different. but No, yeah. So I have seen the first episode of The Politician. That mm-hmm. is a Netflix show as well. Yeah. Uh, what do you like so much about it? I'm curious. I relate so heavily to all these characters. Mm-hmm. There's like pieces of each character that I'm like, holy shit, that's me. Holy shit, that's me. It's also just like a beautiful, bright, I love the colors going on. It's a fun. It's fun. It's dramatic. There's twists, and 
the social commentary is through the roof. <laughs> In what way? Uh, poignant, clear. I don't know. It's like a buzzword right now. Real. Is that like, why you don't? It's like incredibly Monty? relatable. <laughs> is, I, is it too on the nose? No, I, oh, you've only I, watched the first episode, so I assume. Yeah, it's not like I like actively stopped watching there, it. I just watched it and was like, "Oh, that's cool," and then never had like an urge to keep going. They're but in high school. Good. They're in high yeah. school, but it's it's not high school. Like, obviously, it's just it's so much more than that. So this is a Ryan Murphy show. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love does. him too. So may, maybe I'm biased. I've I've loved American Horror Story. I loved Glee. Okay, like I, I'm a fan of him. Yeah, so the show has like a tone that to me strikes a very self-aware feel to it. Like it knows how kitschy it is. Yes, Um, and I love that. Like it's overly campy and people are like, I don't, I don't, maybe you can agree with me on this. Um, They're like aware of how woke they are in the show. Does that make sense? Yes. And And that's commentary in itself. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I, I love how they do that. It yeah. makes it so fascinating because there's subtle things going on. There's not so subtle things going on. Right. I don't know. It's just, I love a show that challenges me mentally and this does that. Awesome. And I think they, uh, I read somewhere that like each season is going to be about a different political race in the main character's life. So this one is a political race about him running for president of a high school. Oh, I actually didn't even hear anything about that. I thought that, like one, that's fascinating. That. I'm so excited for the rest of the seasons because it's setting up for that too because he talks about how he wants to be president. Yeah. So uh, I maybe I'll give it another go. Not that I like, what is that? Like let go of it or whatever. But um, yeah. It's it's my kind of thing. It's also, for for lack of a better word, it's super gay. (laughs) And I like, I love that. Like for not, I'm not just talking about like, you know, boys kissing gay. I mean like, this is a show that plays to a gay audience very much. Okay. Um, you'll see why in every little detail from the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow is an absolute queen. We goop. Worship. Oh, yes, God. we love goop. Oh. <laughs> um, to the fact that there are gay characters. <laughs> to the so fa- gay. Yeah. <laughs> like It's every kind of gay, which I love. Yeah. Just like American Horror Story is gay. Okay. Which on surface level, you're like, no, it's not about some like gay love story. It's like, no, that's not the point. There's way more to it, like this. Yeah, it's like Ryan Murphy is just like, it's like coded gay kind of. Yeah, is that a, the word for it? I, that's like, subliminally messaging us to be gay. Just like the feelings the characters no. have are just like incredibly relatable to a gay audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, that is the politician. I'll let you know what I think about it when I uh, get back into it. And uh, I don't know if there's a season two announced yet, and or if that's just the plan. But um, it seems like it'll be a really interesting show when everything's said and done. If Ryan Murphy gets to do what he wants to do. So. Yeah, it is just like chaos, which I love. <laughs> so uh, I've been trying to watch all the documentaries that were nominated for Best <laughs> Picture uh, or Best Documentary. Because um, I think that one of the best things that Oscars can do is they can give spotlight to these lesser known films that you would never hear about otherwise. Um, and, I, you know, there's like a lot of pissing and moaning about the Oscars, but I think that is one thing that I really, really love about the Oscars is that it exposes me to all these new films. Um, so I think that's really true for the docs. So I try to give them the attention that they deserve. So there's five nominated documentaries, American Factory, The Cave, The Edge of Democracy, For Sama, and Honeyland. So, so far I've seen three of them. I've seen American Factory, For Sama, and Honeyland. Um, and I'm hoping to get the remaining two by the Oscars, but we'll see. 
Um, do you guys like documentaries in general? I do, yeah. Ian, yeah? I'm not usually um, a watcher of them. I've seen a few that if they're really, if they are something I'm already interested in, but generally, no. So you don't like you don't like documentaries that expose you to something completely brand new that you have zero interest in? Like, you don't... I thought that I won't like them. I yeah. might like it. I just... You don't actively I don't seek jump, them out. I don't jump out. Right. Because it's different. I loved Icarus last year. Yes, I saw Icarus. That was so good. Icarus yeah. is good, and that was also like five years ago. Yeah, that was yeah, not last I saw, year. I saw it last year. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in general, I wouldn't call myself a huge fan of documentaries, but I do really like like a well-made documentary, but I feel like I'm really picky with what I want to watch and what I consider good. Um, Ian, do you have a way that you decide which documentary to watch? Because there are so many documentaries. There, there are so many. And usually they're honestly just things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Like that's that's what drew me to Icarus. It was about doping. Yeah. Um, and I was interested in the sports. Ian loves doping. Yeah, so. and I, I wanted to get into it. And yeah, I don't know if people know, but Johnny, or not Johnny, Ian is just me. massive. <laughs> um, yeah, but I... I choose like docu I've chosen documentaries about like the life of Stan Lee and stuff I like the toys that made us on Netflix I like those things I've heard that's good yeah yeah um, stuff stuff that I'm interested in yeah I feel like a lot of documentaries though are just like reading a Wikipedia page or an article both pictures but with pictures yeah. yeah and I think that that is a really bad documentary like I think for a documentary to be worth watching it can't just be like an interesting story mm -hmm. or informative. I think it needs to take advantage of the film medium in mm -hmm. some way that makes it so that the story or whatever they're trying to tell you is more impactful than displaying it in any other medium. Yeah. Uh, so my example always for this is Free Solo. I think that's that my was a great one too. I saw that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's my favorite documentary. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And on paper, it's an amazing story and it's really cool, but you don't get any of the feelings that you get when you actually watch the guy do what he does and watch how crazy it is. Yeah, you don't yeah. get, you don't, your palms don't sweat. You don't get, your heart doesn't race. Knees you weak, know? arms are heavy. There's like, dinner on the table already. Mom spaghetti. Uh, anyways. <laughs> so is that something that you look for in documentaries at all? Yeah, like, I think that so. Um, that's another, that's another kind of documentary, I guess, that I've looked at. Um, Mostly just because I was studying journalism for so long, just like investigative reporting kind of documentaries, um, mm -hmm. which I guess is along the same vein as what Icarus was. But there was one that I watched. I think it was called Gasland. Um, it was a documentary about like like fracking. And uh, I thought that was really interesting because it it brought you into like people's homes in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do in a different medium. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh yeah, so what I like at least about the Oscar five is that at some level they're going to be kind of worth your time, mm -hmm. hopefully. Like they're not going to be poorly made, mm -hmm. at least. Uh, so the first documentary I watched was Honeyland, and the IMDb summary of that is the last female beekeeper in Europe must save the bees and return the natural balance in Honeyland when a family of nomadic beekeepers invade her land and threaten her livelihood. Does that seem interesting? Yes, because I love bees. Well, this movie is boring. It is oh. <laughs> wildly boring. Um, I don't really want to talk about it too much because I I don't love just like shitting on movies, especially if I don't didn't like 
get it because a lot of people love this movie. I think it's well shot and there's this thematic element of humans' reliance on nature and like what happens if you take too much from nature without respecting it or whatever. But like that's in the first 10 minutes and then nothing. I don't know. It, I found this movie so boring. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It also felt really weirdly scripted. Like have you ever watched a documentary where it feels like they almost fed the person lines? Yeah. I don't like those. And I can't tell That's if it's... That's not what I would call well-made. I It might just be like a translation thing because uh, the woman lives in North Macedonia. So I could imagine that what she's saying sounds more natural in her language than like a direct uh. translation from that to uh, English. Um, but I don't know. It just sounds like really unrealistic the whole time. So I would not recommend this one. I would say skip this one. American Factory. Have you guys heard about this one? Uh, no. Not beyond what you've said. No. Okay. IMDb summary. <laughs> in post-industrial Ohio, a Chinese billionaire opens a factory in an abandoned General Motors plant, hiring 2,000 Americans. Early days of hope and optimism give way to setbacks as high-tech China clashes with working-class America. So this is a Netflix film produced by the Obamas. Uh, so I think just like by like- Michelle? No, Malia. I don't even care. No, I'm no, interested. No. It's, it's Michelle and Barack. Like wow. both of them produce it. Um, so That's I'm so pretty sick. sure just like, wow. Yeah. By name recognition alone, this is probably going to win. Uh, and that's fine with me because I think this film is really fascinating. Oh, so you guys haven't heard about this at all. I haven't. I'm okay. surprised I haven't. So, uh, the film highlights the differences between the Chinese and the American cultural expectations and then how those cultural expectations manifest in the workplace. So, that is so relevant right now. Uh, yeah, and I think this film makes me really happy to be an American, but it's not in like a raw, raw America kind of way. It's just like you, it makes you realize that you, that it gave me an appreciation for things that are American values that you would normally take for granted. So for example, the Chinese billionaire, he opens his factory and he starts off by saying, okay, this is an American factory. It's a Chinese company, but an American factory. So we're going to hire American workers. We're going to hire uh, people to lead the American workers that are American predominantly. Um, but then he also says, we want to be as good as our sister Chinese factories. And you just can't do that. Part of the documentary goes to China and they interview people at the Chinese factory. And you find out that there's just this completely different expectation for workplaces and what you do at work. So like the Chinese uh, factory workers, they work for 12 hour shifts. They work usually six or seven days a week. They usually live somewhere near the factory and then don't go home to their home territories uh, more than like once or twice a year. And there's no breaks. They don't really talk to people as they're working. And this is, this is people that are doing, they're like making glass for an auto glass company. Like it is, it's, uh, Monotonous conveyor belt. Work. Yeah. <laughs> conveyor belt work. And it's wild. And they do all of this with the idea of being committed to the betterment of the company. And then like by extension, the betterment of the nation of China. So there's like this, I'm going to paraphrase this, um, but there's a guy in it that gives a speech about like how even if people, even if Chinese people move to different parts of the, the world or whatever, even if they live in America, they are first and foremost a Chinese person and they should be using their life to promote the success of China. 
And that's completely different. Like nobody in America wakes up and said, like nobody goes to a minimum wage job and is like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to ride or die for Ford. You know, yeah. like, like we don't, we don't, we're not committed to our company. We're not committed to our, like, we don't wake up and like, oh, I'm going to do minimum wage labor so that I can make America amazing. Yeah. Right. Like for Americans, it's a lot more individualistic huh. and you work for yourself and you work for, to earn money for your family. It's not like, it's not the nationalistic thing of like making your company or, or your country great. And I thought the film did a really good job of showing that difference without making it, you know, like anti-Chinese or Yeah, I was going to say, does it, de- does it demonize them? Or- no, um, there are parts where you're like, oh, geez, uh, <laughs> this guy's not the best boss. Mm-hmm. But they do a good job of um, showing both perspectives and showing how the when the company was working at its best, um, it was Chinese values and American values merging. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, yeah, it, it there wasn't this like xenophobic feel to it that was like, oh, wow. I'm so glad I'm not Chinese. You know, it was it was more like just amazing and crazy to see that stark difference. Mm. So um, the documentary is really long. It's two hours. And I, I would have to say another thing that I love about documentaries is if they're under 90 minutes. Yeah. Best documentaries, <laughs> under 90 minutes. But this film, like even though it's two hours, it just kind of ends. Like there's no resolution or anything. It just sort of ends and it introduces this thing about the automation Mm -hmm. of the workforce and Mm -hmm. like has a scary stat about how like people are going to be replaced by automation by 2030 or whatever. And they don't really address it. So it's not perfect, but I would definitely recommend checking it out. So that's on Netflix and it's probably going to win the Oscar. So, all right. Have you guys heard of this one? The last one I saw was for Sama. No, no, I haven't (laughs) heard of any of these before. That's fine. Uh, I really want this one to win, even though I don't think it is. Uh, This is, the IMDb summary, it's it's a bad summary. For Sama is both an intimate and epic journey into the female experience of war. Hmm. That's Tell broad. you anything about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys know what's going on in Syria? No. Yeah. We're, we're gonna Why would you m- ask that? Because that's what this film is about, and I didn't know anything. Um, like, if I had to take, like, a test that was, like, 100 multiple choice questions about Syria, I'd probably f- get a zero. What about now? A five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, Wad al Kateb, she's the filmmaker, and she's a journalist who's living in Aleppo. Do you guys know what Aleppo is? Mm-mm. I don't either. Yeah, um, that sounds familiar. It's, it's a city, and there's a, a large university there. And um, it takes place during the Syrian war. And so basically she's just do- documenting the whole war and her husband is a doctor that's essentially just taking care of the people who are like consistently being bombed mm-hmm. every day. Um, and basically it just documents their time there, um, taking care of the people in like a hospital that they essentially make. Wow. And at some point Wad has a baby named Sama. So the whole film is narrated by Wad as like a letter or a story being told to Sama and it's kind of about how Wad is struggling with the idea that she thinks it's her duty to stay in Aleppo and help all these people who are struggling and being bombed and you know document the whole thing Mm -hmm. but she's also struggling with the idea that like I'm bringing a baby into this yeah and 
shouldn't I get the hell out of here because I have a baby? Like, this isn't fair. Sama didn't ask for this. Um, so I, I, it's a really moving documentary. Yeah, that sounds good. And the footage is crazy. Really? Like, the footage that she gets, uh, it's really hard to watch sometimes. There is some really, like, harrowing and haunting stuff. Because you see, like, you see people in a hospital that are getting pulled, or, like, brought into the hospital who have just, like, experienced a car bomb. So there's, like, little kids with like blood smashed over their face Jeez. and like there are, you see like dead kids. Um, so it's, it's a really difficult watch, but I think it's one of those things that is really important to document. Mm. And it's one of those things that you almost can't look away from because it sheds a light on something that again, I think going back to like what I think makes a good documentary, you can't get that from reading a national geographic story. Yeah. You can get bits of it. Right. But until you actually see that stuff, there's just a part of you that is never going to understand how actually fucked up that is and like what's going on back there. So really effective, really powerful. Um, I didn't like love the documentary because it's really hard to watch, but I would also say that it has a ton of heart and there's still a lot of these really tender moments and there's almost something moving about how lightly the people take the situation. Like it's not, um, it's not one of those movies that, is like misery porn where it just wades mm -hmm. in the misery of it. They're the characters are very optimistic and very, they make fun of the situation almost sometimes. And like they, they do it lightheartedly. So it's like the humanity that shines through it, I think is really, really impressive. Cool. So definitely recommend that one. What is it um, on? It's for Sama and it's on Amazon prime. Cool. So definitely check it out. All right. So this has been our Oscars prediction show. Ian, Johnny, thanks for joining me again. Thank you. Thank you. For having me. <laughs> Hopefully I can have you guys back at least one more time before the marathon. Uh, and we can talk about like our last marathon prep. I have a couple ideas. I'll, I'll float it by you guys. Uh, I'd is there, be honored. Is there anything you guys would like to plug? Follow me on Twitch. I, I stream on Twitch now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is exciting. And I think I might get in on that too. Soon. Yeah. And we're going to... We're going to play Pokemon battles. Yeah, yeah. I just play Pokemon on there right now. Uh, you could follow me at Hobby Jogger on Twitch. Okay. Yeah. I will provide that link in the show notes if <laughs> Ian sends it to me. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please, if you're listening to this right now and you didn't turn this off already, subscribe <laughs> or write a review if you like what we're doing. Um, you know, any like five-star rating on iTunes would be a huge help. But as well as any feedback that you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through a TBD topic. Not quite sure what's next. Maybe we'll talk about post-Oscar stuff if you guys want to come back, but I'm um, not going to put you on the spot right now for that one. So stay tuned yes. for that. Until then, bye. Bye. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures love affairs and tragedies 
Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.